Today's first scripture reading comes from Genesis 37, verses 1 through 4. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a long robe of many colors with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. The word of God for the people of God. Let's join together in an attitude of prayer. Loving God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. As we gather to worship this morning, let us remember that as we go through life, you are always with us. You are ready to lift us up immediately when we start to fall. Father, guide us with your Holy Spirit so we can keep our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer of our faith. Let us look to him for strength so that we may always be prepared to help those around us see your power, your love, and your kingdom. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to start with a scripture before the scripture this morning. A scripture before the scripture that I believe everybody in here has probably heard before. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. The Word of the Lord. Well, it's been, what is this, 2020? It's been, it'll be 43 years It'll be 43 years in a couple of months in October. I was in the canoe club, and we had just finished onloading a bunch of ammunition. An ammunition ship had uh, rendezvoused with us up off of the Oregon coast, and it was a little choppy. But uh, we got everything loaded on board, offloaded on, of their ship, and onloaded to our ship in preparation for heading overseas. And as soon as everything was safely stowed, we took off. The thing was, the weather forecast was pretty cruddy. You know, it was one of those red sky at morning days, and we took off anyway. 
all of the other ships in the task force that were going to rendezvous with us in Pearl Harbor stayed in port. But our captain, bless his heart, uh, said we had a commitment and we were going to keep it. And, uh, and, and, and I'm serious about that. I, I'm, I'm glad he was that type of person, Captain Stein. Uh, you know, we had a job to do. We had a commitment to keep. That, uh, I believe that's one of the main things that we see in our world today that uh, has allowed things to be how they are. People don't know the meaning of commitment and keep them, um, basically. You know, people will say they're going to do something, and then whatever comes along to dissuade them or to entice them, I usually say when they get a better offer, they, uh, they forget about their commitment, you know. Commitment is, is doing what you said you were going to do even after it doesn't look like it was such a good idea in the first place. So we headed out, and for three and a half days, praise God, for three and a half days, we were in 30 to 40-foot seas. I am so blessed because there are very, very few people on this planet that ever get to see something like that. I mean, if you don't know what it looks like to look up at a 40-foot wall of water coming down on your ship, then uh, it, it's a, but, it, but truly, I, I mean this with all my heart, it was, a, it was a, one of the greatest blessings I have ever had in my life. If you want to witness the power of God and nature and see what's going on, uh, oh, praise the Lord. You know, it was something else. And, and you know what else? Because we kept our commitment, not only were we blessed with that, although about 80% of the crew stayed in their racks the whole time, uh, because we did that, we had three days in Hawaii waiting for the rest of the people to show up. <laughs> so, you know, it really does pay to keep your word and keep your commitment. But, uh, you know, I, when I was out there, when I was out there, I didn't remember these words exactly, but it was the impression that was made on me that you see in uh, Job chapter 9. It said, God alone stretched out the heavens and the earth, and he tramples the sea. Wow. Wow. So our scripture reading today, carrying on uh, in the 14th chapter of Matthew, where we did some, some work last week, we're, uh, we're going to read verses 22 through 33 today. Consider the word of the Lord. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. 
When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Loving God, God who stretched out the heavens and the earth, God who rules all of them, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Well, this is one of those texts you really just, you know, you look at and say, no, I don't think I'll preach on this. Because, you know, because there have been a, a gazillion sermons, right, about, you know, you know, I don't know, you know, what are the, what are the little cliches, you know, you can walk on water, but you got to get out of the boat, and, uh, you know, all these things about Peter and his faith and everything. Well, hopefully this morning we remember all of those things, because they're good, and they're good lessons, but maybe we'll look at things and a little bit of a different slant, too, would be my hope. The first thing we see here is it said Jesus, and if you, and if you, if you, if you look at the, the language that's really used there, of course, different translations are different translations, right? But uh, it says he compelled his disciples to get into the, site, the boat. He didn't give him a choice. You know, Peter probably said, well, Lord, I want to stay here with you. He said, no, Peter, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Y'all get in the boat and go, right? That's what, that's what it says there. That's what he did. I've wondered about that. And then it says, Jesus dismissed the crowds alone. He dismissed the crowds. The same, this same incident where this is right after Jesus fed the 5,000 and the women and the children that were there too, however many he fed. Right after that is when this takes place. 
if you look over and remember one of the one of the best ways one of the best ways to study the bible one of the best ways to interpret scripture is to let scripture interpret scripture right most of everything or all of everything we need to know for life and godliness and salvation is in the scripture but sometimes we'll read a passage. Remember, right now we're getting Matthew's point of view of the situation, right? And as we all know, whenever you have two Jews, you have at least three opinions, right? That's what, that's, that's what they say. So we've got, uh, we got Matthew and John so, uh, and, and uh, Mark and Luke and some others. And, uh, you know, so where, wherever there are two, there's at least three opinions. And it's the same way. All of us have been in a situation where we witness something, right? Maybe we witness a traffic accident. And the, re the reporting officer comes and says, well, what did you see? Well, blah, blah, blah. And then they ask somebody else, well, what did you see, you know? It, it 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 depends on where you're standing, right? If if I mean if I hold this up and I say, "What do you see?" You probably say, "You see a brown book." You you assume it's a Bible, you know, and all that. And if you ask me what I see, I see, I, I'd say, "Well, I see a number that says 24 Matthew 13.37, and a bunch of words." All right? We're looking at the same thing but we're not standing in the same place. So we see it differently. John put in a very important point that Matthew leaves out here. John says that after Jesus fed the crowds, right before he went out and walked on the water, met the disciples out there, that the crowds wanted to make him their king. He wanted to make him their king. And, of course, he didn't want that. That wasn't what he was about. That wasn't the type of Messiah that he was. Moreover, I believe Jesus knew that his disciples, being who they were, I mean, remember the deal about James and John saying, you know, um, Lord, when you set up your kingdom, can one of us sit at your right hand and one of us sit at your left hand, right? They were still looking for Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom in the same sort of concept as David had of with military rule and all of that. I think Jesus knew that his disciples in this particular situation would complicate things rather than make things better. So he needed to get them out of there. And that's a great lesson for all of us. If we don't know God's will, often our actions contribute more to chaos than they do to solving the situation. So Jesus took the disciples out of the picture. I would also like for us to think of this as a situation already. Matthew already is showing Jesus, if you will, metaphorically walking on the sea. 
He's got a chaotic situation going on there, and he's got to take care of it. And, of course, that's what, that's what walking on the sea is really all about, isn't it? Maintaining calm amid chaos. Remember, the sea is, what's the expression between the devil and the deep blue sea, right? The sea is representative of chaos and bad things and things you don't want to have anything to do with. Look at Jonah, right? The, 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 the sea rarely, rarely gets good connotations anywhere in Scripture. Look through there sometime and, and check it out. So Jesus, by calming the chaos that he's doing, and in, in the situation with the crowds wanting to make him a political leader at that point, he's calming the chaos. He's already walking on the sea. He's doing what God did when God's Spirit hovered over the face of the deep back there in Genesis chapter 1. When Jesus disperses the crowd, he finally, remember, he got interrupted before he fed the crowds. He was grieving over the death of John the Baptist, and he never had gotten his quiet time, his time alone with God. So now he has dispersed the crowd, and he goes up the mountain alone to pray. And he goes up there and prays. And this again, always, always, always is the lesson for us. Look at how many times before Jesus does something really miraculous, he takes time apart and prays. We need to do that. God is the source of our strength, our life, all that we have. We all need to take the time apart and store it up in us. Meantime, the disciples are out there in the boat. Now, isn't this interesting? Isn't this, isn't this interesting? What do most of these guys do for a living? It's not a trick question. They're fishermen, right? They're fishermen, you know? So, you think they've never had a storm on the Sea of Galilee before or never been in one, you know? Of course they have. In fact, in fact, back there six chapters before in Matthew chapter 8, remember? That's the place where they're going out on the, on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is what? He's taking a nap in the stern, right? He's back there sleeping, and the storm comes up, and, and what do the disciples do? They wake him up. And say we're gonna we're gonna get killed, right? I think I think one of the things we need to see here is is even though these guys were fishermen, even though they were used to navigating rough waters and being out there in the sea, sometimes the sea gets really rough, right? Sometimes it's really hard to navigate. Sometimes even what we are competent at isn't enough, isn't enough. In the storms of life that assail all of us, that we all walk through all the times, there are many, many things 
we don't have the power to do, right? We don't have the power to do. You know, I, always, I, I think about it because it's, well, it, it is such, it, it was such a historic thing. You know, just, uh, well, just yesterday was the uh, anniversary for the bombing of Nagasaki and a couple of days before that, Hiroshima. Well, think about that. Our, our technology in ways to break things and kill people has increased I don't know how many fold since 1945, but we still haven't figured out how to have peace on earth, have we? We have, a lot of us have the issue of going to the grocery store and not having enough room in our refrigerator, right? Or our freezer. Of David Ferguson told me that, and I don't know if this has changed, but a few weeks back of when all this of whatever started, of you couldn't buy a freezer for love or money. They, all the places ran out of freezers, right? Because people were freaking out and hoarding up stuff and, and all that. But, but we go to the grocery store and get frustrated because there's not enough room in the refrigerator. But we still have about 20,000 people a, year, a day that die in this world because of starvation. So regardless of our technology, our ability the powers that we have, there are a lot of things we can't do. And in this particular situation, the disciples couldn't calm the sea. So it says early in the morning, some, some translations say in the, in the fourth watch of the night, you know, of, they did watches different back then than we did when I was on the Sacramento out in that storm in 1977, you know. Uh, they go from uh, 6 in the evening to 9 in the evening, from 9 to midnight, from midnight to 3, and then from 3 to 6. So presumably Jesus came walking across the water to the boat where the disciples were sometime between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. I lean toward closer to six for two reasons. One is I think Jesus prayed a long time. And two is they saw him. Now, there could have been a full moon, but, you know, even if you got a full moon and it's obscured by clouds, it's going to be pretty dark. So I think Jesus comes walking toward the boat pretty close to sunrise. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And it says what? They saw him and they were terrified because they thought it might be a ghost. Have you ever seen Jesus and didn't recognize him? Or didn't recognize him right away? 
or maybe you didn't recognize him until a long time later, and you realized that he was there. Well, bless his heart, Peter, you know, good old Peter. Peter, Peter is the life embodiment of one of my favorite Yogi Bearisms, right? You know, uh, Yogi Bear supposedly said that when you come to a fork in the road, take it, right? So, and this is exactly what Peter did. He never, he never failed to take action regardless of what was going on. So, Jesus had said, you know, you guys take heart, have a little courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. So, Peter did it. He stands right up and says, hey, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he does, right? Jesus says, come. He comes. Now, again, you know, and this is one of those classic deals. When Peter's walking toward Jesus, he's doing fine, right? When he forgets what he's doing, when he gets distracted, says he saw the wind. I've always, I've always enjoyed that line, you know. I, I myself have never seen the wind. I've seen evidence of it but I've never seen it. Uh, but, uh, but Peter apparently has better visual acuity than I do. And it said he saw the wind. But there he is. Peter is such a great example of the, a garden variety Christian. When things start getting a little bit shaky, he starts sinking. Wow. And he starts sinking fast. But he has presence of mind enough to call out for help, right? Right? So he calls out for help. And what does it say? It says, immediately, immediately, Jesus lifted him up. Which, you know, probably is the best lesson for all of us when we, in here. When we do forget to be walking toward Jesus... All we have to do is call out, and immediately he'll be there, immediately. And then they come back to the boat. You see here, if you're walking toward Jesus or if you're walking with Jesus, it's not so hard to walk over the storms of life, right? It's when you're walking the wrong way that things seem difficult. Because let's face it, you know, unless some of you have had a different kind of life than I have, and I feel blessed. I feel like I've had a very good life and been blessed with many, many things. But you know what? There have been a lot of those, you know, times when you wonder, wow, what's going on, right? Or why is this happening? Or why is this happening? which reminds us that faith is much like love. It's an action, you see. Faith isn't something we have. Faith is something we do. It's an action. It's constant action. 
We are created for action. We are created to create. We are created to do things. You know, I, I've, one of my favorite movies is, uh, y'all will never guess what I'm going to say. No, no, no. No, is, uh, is, is, is an old movie uh, with Ingrid Bergman, In of the Sixth Happiness. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that movie, but, but there's a line in that movie. There's a line in that movie that is so good. There are a lot of lines in that movie that are good, but the, the line in that movie that says it all for me is, at one place she says, there were years of endless work and contentment. Wow. You know, endless work and contentment. They go together. Faith is doing something, and Peter did it. They walk back, they get in the boat, and everything calms down. Now, there are all sorts of, you can read a gazillion commentaries, and probably uh, half a gazillion of them will say that the boat is the church, right? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Matthew was thinking that way. But what I did notice was, it says when they got back in the boat and things calmed down, it says, those in the boat worshipped him. doesn't say the disciples. It says, those in the boat. Hmm. Interesting. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. So this morning, I would say to all of us, you know, when the storms of life arise, when you wonder how you're going to pay the mortgage, when you wonder why your kids are mad at you and you don't think you did anything, or somebody else, or when you look around you and many, many people are living in fear all the time, remember, take the action of faith. And the action of faith, quite simply, that I get out of this passage, again, is either walking toward Jesus or walking with Jesus, side by side. You see, when you walk toward him, you're keeping your eyes on him, and then you can walk side by side with him. And never, never forget, especially if you want to walk on the water, you know, uh, and, by, and by the way, walk, uh, walking on the water is evidence of divine empowerment. It's not evidence of divinity. Peter walked on the water. Peter wasn't divine, right? But never forget that he who rules the raging seas... When the waves arise, we'll still them. Amen. Now go in peace and don't worry about the wind and the waves. And as you do that, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.